0: Hello, Thursday night instead of Tuesday night, sorry about the change of night, uh, had a bit of a thing on Tuesday night, I was on the train, didn't think it would be advisable, and it wouldn't have been advisable to do it on the train until you know, i toyed with the idea, i YouTubers doing it in public, but I don't think I would have, I don't think it would work well in public, to be honest, this. I think this... I think this um, uh, what's the word? This model, not the right word. I think this model really needs to be in a enclosed environment. I don't think it works on um, a public arena. So, um, hello uh Hello, Zoe. Nice to see you uh, here this evening. Uh, I am going to be doing some questions which I've got, and if you've got any questions, anyone, please ask away. Um, and I will, I will. I'm supposed to do that. I will definitely answer them if if I can. And um, Natalie's here. Hi, Natalie. And I. <laughs> Sorry, I made it wobble. i will try and stop it wobbling oh man did i yes i did i have got simply pre-done questions here which i'm going to go through at my leisure sorry i'm i'm wobbling i'm going to stop it's going to stop wobbling in a minute i can assure you of that i need no it's because i'm typing i'm stopping typing typing has stopped so the questions come on save yeah so we've got a question here which says, um, "Hi Rachel, nice to see you." Um, is that sorry? It's still wobbling. Is there an airport near your surgery stroke clinic? I'm in Belfast, but finding it very difficult to find a surgeon here with online reviews. So this is uh, this. I said I'd talk about this question because not to tell you whether there's an airport <laughs> near the surgery clinic, because uh, I could answer that bit of the question, but the, the wider question about that. So, um, in general terms, it's interesting because, uh, the area that I'm in, in Birmingham is, is called the Edgemaston medical quarter and they're trying to make it like a Harley street and, uh, in. It has actually got, because Harley Street has a lot of um, people from all over the place who come and have treatment in uh, there, obviously. And they rely on a lot of overseas people coming to have treatment there. And uh, they're trying to encourage that in the Jabaston Medical Quarter. And it, in answer to the question, it is very well set up for um mm-hmm for communications Birmingham has got a really really good setup it's a lot better than London I mean you fly to Heathrow you're miles away and Gatwick you're miles away from London so um, there is actually an airport Birmingham International Airport and then there's a little monorail which links the airport to the train station Birmingham International train station I think it's 19 minutes to the train station to New Street which is right in the center of Birmingham and then the clinic is about five or ten minute taxi drive from there or there's a train which you can get to goes to five ways which is one stop from new street which is a few minutes and then you can actually walk from five ways so yes we are near a airport and train and everything like that uh we're quite central in birmingham but the reason i wanted to talk about this is because this patient is in belfast and um she said i think she said she's seen three surgeons already in belfast i mean i would say this, that i always tell people that you know not to not to travel really so that's why i'm not really very good uh, advocate of this thing that cal thorpe are trying to do an Edgebaston medical quarter trying to do where they're trying to encourage people to come from overseas because i would always say you know you try and have surgery closer to home um i think there are some countries where the um there isn't great medical care and i think that's why people come here so i guess if there are reasons like that to come then that's fine but you have to stay around for quite a long time to make sure that you're um, looked after and also you have to make sure that you've got facilities to look after people when they go back home so uh, and which is something that we're not really set up for and um, so i would always advise people really to have surgery close to home and there are lots of good surgeons in belfast Um, the barps website baaps the BAPRAS website B-A-P-R-A-S that's a list of plastic surgeons and I would say to you that try and see someone close to home really you're very welcome to come and see us but uh, and we'll do the surgery and I'll say to you uh, stay around for a bit of time afterwards but the problem is all the follow-ups I mean we can always do them on the phone or Skypes and things like that but it's never as good as coming in person follow-ups and what if you have a problem if you have a little dog ear or if you have a little bit of infection or something like that we'll say oh come and we'll check it out at the clinic it's just difficult if you're in belfast and i've i have operated on people who've come from far away um but i said this to them before operating on them i always say look you know it's you know it, it can be a bit of a thing and we haven't had any big problems but it's just a bit of a worry to me that if you're in you know even you know just sort of like essex or You know Scotland and things like that when we get people coming down. So I do say, look, there are good people around in all uh, areas. Um, Good friend of mine, is called Colin Morrison. Actually, he's in Dublin. I know it's not Belfast, but but I'm sure there's good people in Belfast as well. Um, So yeah, that that's the the, so the the answer is yes, there are (laughs) there are airports and stuff, but it would be advisable to have it done in in local to home is what I would say. just because of the follow ups. And, you know, if you need another operation, or other procedure, we're going to do it in Birmingham. So you would have to come back to Birmingham. And if you, you know, you stay overnight in the hospital and your family and all that's in Belfast and things. But I don't want to put you off. We're well, probably am putting you off. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably just if it was me, I'd probably rather go closer to home than having to travel a long way to go to the hospital and to go for the follow up appointments and things. So, uh, yeah. I'll put that question in. Well, that was helpful. Right. Oh, what's going on? Oh my Lord. What's going on here? Sorry. I missed this. Hannah's here. Long time. No see Hannah. Where you been? Hannah, are you coming to the clinic to see me sometime? I haven't seen you in ages. JT. Donetta. I haven't seen you in ages. How are you doing? Good to see you. Khan's here. Look at this. It's all kicked off in the chat while I've been chatting away. Sorry. It's wobbling. I'm not really. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about my IT. Um, Anyway, yeah, yeah, nice look at this. All go, isn't it? Thursday night, done well. Is Thursday night better than Tuesday night. Comment in the chat. That's what they say, isn't it? Comment in the chat if you think Thursday night's better than Tuesday night. Um, okay. Don't. Doesn't matter. Um, do you offer TT tummy tuck with lipo and breast lift at the same time? There's a reason. I, yes, that's right. I, I know what I want to talk about here. So yes. That's normal. Uh, oh, that, that's, that's what I want to talk about. So um, tummy tuck and liposuction and breast lift, that, that's a normal, that's a, a not not uncommon combination. Uh, mummy makeover, you know, tummy and, and breast is a common thing to do. The thing I wanted to say about the liposuction is it is very common to combine liposuction with a tummy tuck. It's, uh, it's, it's a standard thing to do. Uh, but one thing you've got to think about, because I've had a couple of patients talk about having liposuction and um, one thing you've got to think about is where you do the liposuction because where you usually do the liposuction at the time of a tummy tuck is on the sides, the flanks, the hips, the sides. Um, some people want it in the upper abdomen. Um, try not to do liposuction to the upper abdomen because it can affect the blood supply to the skin that, uh, and, and the heat can affect the healing. Um, but the main thing is if people want it around the back, sometimes people like around the back, the sort of bra folds over the back of the of the bra and and what have you and what I try and um, get across is you've got to try and think of how you are in the operating theatre so you're lying flat on your back with your arms out on the operating theatre and we have to clean and prep and drape you um, so, so we have to sort of prepare your skin we paint your skin with antiseptic and then put sterile drapes put your adhesive drapes on and you operate within that sterile field so you can't get to the back while you're prepped and draped sort of lying on your um on your back like that you can't you can't get to that bit of the back so if so although you might think oh i've just got a bit bit of fat here around the back i'd like to have fixed it makes it quite difficult because what we have to do is you have to roll you we have to roll you on your side and then do some liposuction and if you want both sides done we have to roll you on one side and then roll you on the other side we can put you on the front and do both back and then then you on your back again but the anesthetists don't like these on the front for long periods of time um so can do that but either way getting technical now either way it could involve some kind of turning basically so one or two turns and that increases the complexity so if it's a bit of fat that we can get to while you're lying like that it'll be a lot easier than if it was on your back basically so if it's the the hips the flanks the outer thighs uh, you know some anything in the anterior aspect of your body the front aspect of your body it's a lot easier than when it's around the back so it's, it's um I, I do feel a bit sorry when people say oh just a little bit of lipo here um and it's like oh well, that's really that's really tough actually i'm better to just do that on his own another another day really sort of thing and i think well i want to all it it can be done so it can be done it's not like it can't be done but it is a little bit tricky hannah is good but i'll get booked yeah get booked in come in the last one no problem i'm well henna i'm very well been lovely to see you so um um gemma i'm still really interested that's good to hear gemma is still interested i haven't put her off can you send me the finance options um yeah uh so what we'll probably do is reply to the chat i think um gemma we'll do that tomorrow and um if you uh, um yeah We'll do that. The finance. I mean, basically, the finance is due, usually done through the hospital and it's uh, 12 months interest free. Actually, is it? Or is one of them 10 months? Anyway, yes, the point is we will do that. We will get back and uh, do that, Gemma. That's good to hear that you're still interested. Um, so we've got a question here which says Is it possible to have an of reduction at the same time as a BBA? Again, another question which I'm going to lead on and talk about something else. I'm using it, I'm using the question as, a, as, a, as leverage so a bba breast augmentation and an areola reduction yep that's possible absolutely fine no problem whatsoever the um maybe i should have used the other question rather than using this question because this question is a plain yes uh the 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 other patient we've had this uh or was it this week recently who wanted a mastopexy a breast uh lift and a an inverted nipple correction and um she when you do a mastopexy you're moving the nipple and there's a risk that you can alter the blood supply of the nipple and there's a risk you can invert the nipple it can get pulled in so we're a bit worried about the nipple when we're doing mastopexies and breast reductions because we're moving the nipple you're not moving the nipple with a with a breast augmentation but with a mastopexy or breast reduction you are moving the nipple and so i would be a bit worried about doing an inverted nipple correction i'm answering a totally different question here i'm sorry about this because oh dear sorry the so an areola reduction is actually part of a mastopexy or a breast reduction so if this person said can i have an areola reduction at the same time as a breast augmentation you know what i'm going to do it separately so is it possible to have an areola reduction at the same time as a bba yes it is yeah but if you'd ask the question and i'm not making this up because someone did did ask this question um can i have inverted nipple correction i should have areola reduction and and breast augmentation no problem areola reduction and mastopexy or breast reduction no problem because that's actually part of it you don't even have to ask for that and areola reduction is integrally part of a breast reduction or a of a a mastopexy but if you ask, can i have inverted nipple correction if you was not if someone did ask this at the the time of uh, mastopexy if you ask me that question, now that's something else. If you ask me, can I have any? That's different. Inverted nipple at the time of a mastopexy, um, because because you're moving the nipple with mastopexy and breast you worry about the nipple vascularity. So we, we uh, so the answer to that is no. I um, probably wouldn't do an inverted nipple correction at the time of a mastopexy and breast reduction. But then this patient has said, not unreasonably. Um, If she'd had the mastopexy and the inverted nipple correction at the same time, there would have been a discount. There's a 20% discount of the cheaper procedure. When you have two procedures, there's a 20% discount of the cheaper procedure. So basically it's cheaper if you have two two procedures at the same time. And she wants two procedures at the same time. And then she's saying, and we're saying, no, we can't do that. So she's saying, well, look, if you did the inverted nipple correction separately, can I, you know, will it still be cheaper? Because it's not my fault that we can't do it at the same time. And I totally understand that and i and, and I and the, my sort of gut feeling and my um, you know I would like to say, yes, we can do that because it's not your fault we can't do it at the same time. Um, the problem is and I, don't, I don't want to look like we're being sort of ungrateful for people's custom sort of thing because we are very grateful for people's custom. The problem is. Uh we are all members of BARPS and Bapras at the clinic, which are plastic surgery not and or because I think me and Kuram are BARPS and Azam is Bapras. Well I'm BAPS and Bapras. But anyway, never mind. They're both the big plastic surgery associations. And we have a code of conduct and we cannot incentivize surgery. Now you might think we're incentivizing surgery by saying if you have two procedures, we get a 20% discount. But the reason we do that is because it's cheaper. Because you open one pack, you have one hospital stay. So there is economy of cost with the hospital consumables. Uh, it, we're not doing it to incentivize a surgery, we're doing it because it actually costs less to do uh, you know, to do two operate. Like if you're taking off two moles, it's a much less price than doing one mole because you open one, you know, if you open one pack. So there's a reason for it. With this patient, if I'm doing the inverted nipple, I say I, it'll be curum, but if we're doing the inverted nipple at a different time although i would like to say oh yeah we'll give you a discount just the same that would seem to be incentivizing the surgery and i think BARPS would take a dim view of it and it would look like i'm trying to say you'll get a discount if you have the inverted nipple correction so i can't do it so we, we can't do it so we have to charge you full price and i know that sounds mean because you wanted it done at the same time and i do feel bad about it so i just want to get that off my chest really um i didn't i don't know if this patient even knows i'm going to talk about this today and what we can talk about tell her afterwards because um, i just want to explain that situation because i'm not sure if they explained that to you when they told you that you said could have it less i said i think it wouldn't look good if we started offering things less like that we can't we can't incentivize surgery we can't give discount i know that you go to these cosmetic clinics and they say 500 pounds off if you have it this month we cannot do that it's not that we're trying to be like uh or anything, we cannot offer incentives, time-limited offers. We cannot say hey, book it this month and you get five hundred pounds off. That is against the code of conduct of the professional associations. If you are not a member of the professional associations, you can do whatever you want, you know. But if you are a member of those professional associations, so people who are barps and bad members cannot offer make offers. We cannot do buy one get one free, you know, or anything like that, because it's not. It's a medical procedure, and it is not something that we can sort of discount things. Oh dear, got a bit heavy there. A bit heavy. Oh, sound has what oh god, the the cat the chat's kicked off again. Focus. Hi, I'm considering having a tummy tuck. Is it best to have glue or stitches and drains? Donetta's saying sound has reduced. Donetta was actually put the mic down. Put, it was a mic drop, Donetta, because I was typing. I'm all over it now. Um uh so Sonia. I am um, so that yeah I've, I've seen tummy tuck using glue or incision and no drains or would you come uh, sorry would you think stitches and drains better to our food to come up uh yep is it best to have glue or stitches and drains so Sonia what you'll find particularly in plastic surgery but also in any well particularly plastic surgery but a lot of surgery there's no better I'd always be a bit wary about someone who says something's better well well, there is some better stuff, isn't there? Anyway, um, if if there's some people who do it one way and some people who do it the other, another way, and the people who do it one way says it's better doing it their way, you've got to question why the other guy's doing it the other way. Is that, is that making sense? So basically, there's not better, you know, it's like uh, a teardrop implant is better than round implants. Is it better to have them under the muscle or over the muscle? You know, is it better to have a mini tummy tuck or a full tummy tuck? It's like, There's good and bad about both of them and they all exist so drains and so it's a big area it's not a big area but it's a big sort of controversial thing that splits plastic surgeons drains or um, no drains basically um drains or no drains so um that is a big issue and I've got to say we are moving towards no drains we are moving towards no drains and uh people don't patients know like drains and uh, a lot of operations we're doing with not doing drains when we used to do drains um tummy tuck and i was just talking to Kuram last night about it and i was saying we still use drains for tummy tucks and the before a while ago what the it was the, the glue the glue and the uh, glue or or um or uh drains and the glues like Ooh, I'm I've I've they've they used to do that in the back when you do the back operations I'm going to talk about seroma this will tie in to a question later because what we're talking about here is seroma prevention seroma comes when you've got a big space and I don't want to want to mess up my late my my um my, my later question but uh but the point is that there's a space there and that space can fill up with fluid so you need to close the space and the drains are, are suction drains so they <laughs> so they close that space down so if you're not going to use drains you're going to think what can i do to close that space down and the other thing they do is they use drains some people use drains now i'm not saying that's right or wrong they get good results with drain with the glue and i've used glue and it's been fine when i've used it to be honest with you but for me it's a bit of a palaver to use it you have to because you have to stick down the skin flap and you have to put your stitching in a special way and you have to then tighten your stitch and you've got a few minutes while the glue sets to get your stitches in and it's all a bit of a bit of an art really and it's something that's a uh, you know, I, I don't particularly like it, this sort of rush to get it all closed because you only got a few minutes while the glue's set, so you've got to get all your stitches in place and everything. So it's just I never really embraced it. The other thing that worries me is the patient will wake up and cough or move and turn and that glue will shear and the the um the you know, the the, the space won't be stuck down. And when they say about it, they say, Oh, look, it's really good low seroma rate with the glue. Um, you know, the seroma rate, I mean, I, I've had one seroma for a tummy tuck which was about, oh, it was Christmas, I remember it was Christmas, always absent Christmas, but it must've been three, three, four years ago. So is very rare with tummy, with tummy tuck when you use drains. So, you know, I really haven't got a problem with seroma, so I, that's what worries me about not using drains but uh the other option is using quilting sutures which we have started to embrace and and, um i was talking to about it last night actually and i think quilting sutures so what we're doing at the moment is doing quilting sutures so closing down the pocket a bit by putting stitches deep to close down the space and using a drain but looking and seeing look there's less in that drain can we start to move away from using drains so we still do use drains, but we're looking at ways to reduce the use of drains. And I think quilting sutures, I prefer personally to glue, um, but I think there's no right or wrong. And if you find a surgeon who's got good results, who's got happy patients who's using glue, go for it. If you find ones who's using, drains, I mean, I, I, people don't like drains. I don't, you know, you're thinking, it's not thinking, no one will say that they the drain was a good thing. It's uncomfortable and people don't like them. So I would like not to use drains, but they serve a purpose and I think they are useful. And so, yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what I do. Glue, uh, you, I've seen Tommy tuck using glue on incision and no drains. So, uh, um, Sonia, I think the glue that they're using is not on the incision. The glue is deep underneath to stick down the skin flap. They spray it underneath to stick down the skin flap. Glue on the incision is different. You can use glue on the uh, incision, but that's different. That's not the glue when people are talking about using glue in tummy tucks, the, the the glue on the incision is just to seal the wound. If they would only use a dressing or something like that, so that's a. I think it's not the incision they're putting the glue, or well, they might be putting all the glue on the incision, but that's not what they're talking about. If they're using glue instead of drains, the glue goes inside to stick down the skin flap. You really need to see it. You need to see a tummy tuck. If you saw a tummy tuck, you'd understand it. It's quite hard to explain. I don't know if I'm doing a good job here. um Lisa says good evening, Jonathan. Hope you are well. I'm very well. I am very well, Lisa. Thank you for asking. Um, Gemma how do you offer how do you other how do other surgeons get away with offering discount to repeat patients um so what that happens Gemma is what what I mean it's interesting this I wrote about this in my book um because this happened to me you see what happened I I I had a situation oh, I don't know if I want to get into this it's a bit, a bit of a long story but anyway I saw an accountant um and sent me a letter and they oh. anyway I I had this thing and this accountant came to see and said, oh, I want to be your accountant and all this thing. And he said, I'll do a free thing where you talk to you for ages. And he talked to me for ages, came of the house, he wants to know about my life insurance. Oh God, I suffer. And then he wanted to come back another day. And he came back another day and um I was here for ages and ages and, oh, God, and then eventually left. And I'm about to go to the cinema with the kids. And I was thinking, I'm going to be late for the cinema. Oh, God, come on, man. It's the second day he's been here and he left. And I'm, maybe sign all these forms and oh I didn't really feel comfortable with that it's all a bit oof. anyway then uh, I thought about it I thought actually you know what I don't really want to um, be with this accountant I thought I'm not really happy with that so I, thought, I said like, you know what I'm not, I don't want to do this and then he sent me a bill for 700 pounds and I'm like what he sent me a bill for 700 why why he said it was a free check you know and he said well that was the first consultation was a free one and the second one was 700 pounds I'm like I didn't even want the second one I couldn't get rid of you Can't believe this. So I said, right, I'm going to go to the Institute of Accountants because I think that's bad practice. You can't charge someone 700 pounds, especially since I didn't know you were going to come back. I didn't want you to come back and I didn't know you were going to charge me 700 pounds. You've got to tell people. Um, And then they say, well, he's 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 not a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants what I mean, he's an institute i mean i'd don't, I don't be, be libelous to say what he was, he was in the, i can't remember now but the institute of financial advisors or something i don't know what he was the institute of something and it turns out there are two institutes i can't remember what they were now It's like the institute of child accountants and the Chartered Accountant institute or something there's two official sort of things for child accountants and there's all other things which so if they're not a member of those the proper institutes of charter accountants you haven't got anywhere to go to to sort of complain they're just like a member of the public really the point i'm trying to make the point i'm trying to make is that the it's the same for surge plastic surgeon there's two there's barbs and those are the two associations you have to be a fully trained plastic surgeon to be a member of those associations and there are a lot of people doing plastic surgery who are not fully trained plastic surgeons who haven't got the frcs plast who can't be members of barbs and BAPRAS. and they're doctors i mean they're doctors but they aren't really bound to the same um a code of conduct that we have as members of barbs and bath and they're not held accountable we have to present our figures every year to barbs to show that we've not got lots of complications and that we're you know we're doing things within our scope of practice because if you're a you know surgeon in one area you're not supposed to operate on other areas and things so um you know we have do, we're held accountable by that. If you're not a member of those associations, you're not held accountable. So you can do so. How office So you can say 500 pounds off if you book this month. Uh, what did you say? Discounts, repeat patients, you know, come back, we'll go give you a special offer and all that sort of stuff. Because you're not, if they're not members of Barbs and Bapras, they're not accountable to that code of conduct. So they're just really accountable to the GM. They're still accountable to the GMC if they're a doctor. But you'd have to do something, you know, GMC is not quite as tight as the BARPS within terms of advertising and and offers and things. And then obviously, you know, other other than that, if you, you, they haven't got the same sort of, so, and similarly, if they did something you thought it was bad, you can't go to BARPS and BAPRAS because if they're not members of BARPS and BAPRAS, they can't do anything about it. So good, thank you for that, good question. so that's how that that's how that works but you know and it does happen a lot and it and it's sort of i don't want it to make us look bad because we don't ever do that we don't ever do we can't do discounts can't do a discount for cash can't go to discount well we do do a discount as if you have two procedures for the reasons aforementioned but we can't say you know your friend comes we'll do a discount for your friend or something like that you know so um that's that's what it is um i've been researching and i'm not sure i've not booked anywhere not yes yeah just worried about seroma sonia you're worried about seroma i'll tell you what sonia a tummy tuck is a big operation and there's stuff you should worry about i, I wouldn't put such a seroma up there because even if you get a seroma to be honest with you it's not that bad you just have to drain it. you just have to put a needle and drain it so it, actually a seroma is not a disaster it's not very nice you can get long-term problems with seromas and you hear nightmares with seromas but if you do get a seroma it's usually pretty easy to treat so i wouldn't actually make seroma a big big uh, deal breaker but i think it is the tummy tucks a big operation with potential complications and scar and recovery and all that sort of stuff so it is a big op but uh i wouldn't make the seroma being the big thing you worry about and i wouldn't so i wouldn't focus too much on this glue and drains thing uh i'll call you to book a consultation thank you Well <laughs> look out for your call sonia Very good. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, Debbie, good evening, Jonathan. Many PS plastic surgeons in the UK don't like doing lipo with tummy tuck due to the blood supply and skin surviving. I'm informed. How do you achieve a good body shape without it? I wouldn't have thought muscle repair and tummy tuck alone would achieve good results. Debbie, good one. You are... you are on it. You know what you're on about there. And that's sort of what I was alluding to earlier in terms of the liposuction. I don't think you, I think you'll find that it's not that they don't like doing lipo with tummy tuck. It's the area that they do the lipo in. Anyone would do lipo to the hips and flanks. It's standard to, to, to lipo to the sides to help contour the sides. Um, the problem with doing lipo a tummy tuck is doing lipo to the upper abdomen. The sort of bit underneath the breast because a lot of people say oh, i've got a bit there can you just do a bit of lipo there and that's where we worry about doing lipo because as you say it does affect affect the blood supply because again if you saw a tummy tuck you would see that a big this sort of the the skin from the belly button to the pubic area is all removed and the skin from the belly button to this to the rib cage is pulled down it's undermined and pulled down it's undermined i don't know if you know what i mean by undermining you sort of go underneath the, the skin the fat and you go on top of the abdominal wall to make it to make it have some give and then you pull it down to the pubic area i've just done a blog post on monday about this that's where how people wonder what goes on with the belly button and sometimes if you look at moles you can see that moles used to be in the upper abdomen then end up you know moles used to be quite, quite above the belly button end up below the belly button or right next to the belly button because that skin gets stretched down and because that skin gets stretched down that's where the, all the blood supply comes in from the top Because you've undermined it you've released it from the abdominal wall so you've released all that blood supply so all the blood supply that skin's coming from the top if you then stick a liposucker in there and start liposucking that that flap that skin flap it's called a flap because it flaps about you worry about interrupting the blood supply and the the, one of the worries of tummy tuck as i say seroma i wouldn't say is a big worry but wound healing is a big worry with tummy tuck you've got to get that wound healed it's under tension it's really tight that's the whole point of a tummy tuck um that's why you mustn't smoke things like that but um it's it's really it's a worry for us to get that wound healed so a lot of surgeons and most well many plastic surgeons don't do abdominal upper abdominal liposuction at the time of a tummy tuck so that's the area so um but i've got to say you don't often need it because it's skin stretches so you often don't need it but if you really did need it you would have to have it later date so sometimes you have to say look and again you have to pay again and all that is terrible but you have to come back at a later date and then you can do liposuction six months later you can do liposuction to the upper abdomen but it's not very safe to do it at the same time to, as the um, as the tummy tuck but it's upper abdomen is the lipo that people worry about when you say plastic surgeons not doing it because they're worried about the skin surviving i hope that's oh yeah i've lost oh, i've lost you what do you mean you've lost me you mean you've lost me because you've lost signal or i've not made any sense I need to show you in real life, really, don't I? Yeah, I can't need really to. Anyway, the point is they won't do it to the upper abdomen, Debbie. Have I not made that clear? Mm. What we need to do is we need to get video in theatre, and I'll show you in theatre, and I'll do it and say underneath, you know. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, that, that's where they won't do lipo, upper abdomen. Mm, made that clear sorry other question what's involved for inner thigh lift does it remove excess skin due to six stone weight loss whoa fantastic congrats on the weight loss number one sonia yes it does sonia and so body contouring procedures uh usually are really the main thing about body contouring is the skin the excess skin you do remove fat but the main thing is the skin uh that's why tummy tucks are so good, masterpex, facelifts, you know, they they all remove skin and tighten that skin. And the uh inner thigh lift, there's two ways of doing it. There's one where you make a thigh uh, an incision in the groin that removes skin in an up direction, in a vertical direction. I'll probably lose, probably lose you now. I'm gonna lose getting too tail. I, I need to have a whiteboard. I need a whiteboard behind me um so anyway there's a thigh lift where you do it in the in in the groin uh personally i don't like it it doesn't give much of a pull if you pull it yourself it doesn't give much of a pull uh hidden scar but it's not a nice scar the scar can stretch um it can have effect on your on your on your sort of you know on that area (laughs) can pull on that area um and um below the watershed so um and it doesn't give a good pull. So in my hands, uh, uh, the, the, um, the thigh lift up in the, uh, in the groin is, is, um, is limited to how it can pull. If you, if you demonstrate to yourself what you want done, you will pull in a vertical, direct, in a sort of longitudinal direction down your thigh. That's where you want the skin tightened. So the best way to do a th- thigh lift is to make a big scar right from the groin right down to the knee on the inner aspect of the thigh a bit like the arm we try and hide it by putting it on the inner aspect of the thigh but it's a big scar so if you're in shorts and stuff you abduct your 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 hip if you if your leg sort of swings out you will see a big scar there so that's the best way to do a thigh lift it's a big scar but it's about so it's only for people who have massive weight loss so you may you may be a candidate if you've got a lot of excess skin there but that's that's the thigh lift again it's a big op complications and, and what have you because the skin's under tension all this body contouring surgery the skin's under tension wound healing and what have you um but that in my view is the best way to do it but uh yeah obviously you need a consultation and all that sort of stuff but uh that's a, that's the sort of two ways of doing a thigh lift yeah i shouldn't really say it's the best way of doing it because i've just said earlier don't do don't listen to people who tell you there's a best way of doing it anyway it's it's more of a lift with that one um right mariana what determines the maximum amount of fat transfer to breasts when do you know you put too much or can't fit any more fat good question mariana and it's really interesting and i think i think probably people think the public think there's more of a science to this than there is, but there isn't a science to this. And the two aspects of fat transfer are donor sites. So where you can take it from, how much fat you've got on your body to take it from. Usually people who are having fat transfer to the breast are slim, usually, uh, because it's usually for some like a breast augmentation. So someone's a breast augmentation, they don't want implants, perfectly reasonable, don't want implants, no problem at all, can use fat transfer, but they're usually slim people um and so the donor sites are are often limited so where you might say i've got loads of fat but actually you know i haven't got much fat but you can take it from anywhere abdomen hips thighs outer thighs things like that so that's number one thing and number two thing is the other thing that limits it is the recipient site so the breast because what you're trying to do is you don't really want to inject the fat into the breast tissue itself you have to inject it sort of underneath the skin between the skin and the breast and also beneath the breast so between the breast and the muscle so you have to sort of surround the breast with the fat and you have to put the fat in any tiny little aliquots because each little piece of fat has to be surrounded by vascularized fat so you only put in tiny tiny little aliquots at a time and really good question how do you know you when you put too much you don't quite frankly you don't the way you'll know you've done too much is if you know a couple of months later you start getting hard lumps the fat dies or you get oil cysts or you get infection or you get problems then you put in too much because the fat has died but when you're doing it you don't and so you could say if you've never had these problems you haven't put in enough fat because you've never pushed at boundaries and you know my view is a tendency more to less flat fat so i don't get fat necrosis or hard lumps i don't say i don't get it but it's, it's not common to get oil cysts fat necrosis and lumps and complications like that but it's small volumes you know, if you, there'll be another surgeon next door who does big volumes and you might say, oh, I want the big volume guy because I don't because when I do it, you often have to have it done again. And it's expensive. Uh, it's an expensive operation. And you might say, well, I want the big volume guy because I don't want to have to keep on coming back. I want big volumes. But then, the, 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 you know, not that it's good or bad, but you're going to increase your risk of complications with fat necrosis, lumpiness, cysts, infections. Where is the point? There's nothing in theater that tells us that's the maximum stop now. That's the problem. It's clinical experience, and you know, there, there isn't anything that says you've put enough fat in now. So it's surgeon's experience what determines it. Uh, but I always tell people it's subtle, usually less than a cup size. Once you put some in, then you can put more in next time. And so it often has to be repeated, but it's yeah, Gemma. I won't name the surgeon, but he is registered with both and he offers 10% discount on every surgery to NHS staff. Oh. You know what, Gemma, people do like to help out the NHS staff, and and, you know it's all like perks of the job and things. But Mm. well, that's anyway. I don't know. Well that's all right. Well okay. Good, you know, he's, he's trying to help his. You know colleagues which is admirable the problem for me is once you start giving discounts and things it's all that right. but anyway yeah um ella 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 uh, hello jonathan i've wanted to check if surgeons actually change charge more if you have a hernia when doing a full tummy tuck depends now people talk about this a lot actually oh debbie lost a off people talk about this a lot Hernia thing and basically it's very common to have a small defect in the abdominal wall a small hernia it's very common to have diversification of the rectus muscles or weakness between the, the rectus the six plus pack muscle which is a bit of a bulge it's not really a hernia so it's very common to have a little bit of this or a little bit of that um they're not really proper and they, they just routinely sometimes you know about it before the op sometimes you can diagnose it and people can have got a bulge sometimes you find it in the op incidentally you find a hernia small hernia, but they're usually small hernias and as you often repair the muscle together pull that rectus muscle together you repairing that hernia is just part of it so it's incidental so usually 99.9 percent of the time any sort of hernia or weakness in the abdominal wall is repaired and is part of the surgery and is not charged more if you have had previous abdominal surgery or if you've got a proper big hernia, a big thing that sticks out and you might need to have mesh and you might need to have the general surgeons involved. And, you know, if you've got a problem, then you might have to have uh, charge more if you. Well, I, I shouldn't say this is what, you know, everyone's different, but that's my view on it. I think um, it's very common to have a sort of little hernia, which is usually just repaired on this part of it. and and i don't you know usually wouldn't be charged more for that but uh you know if you did have a big hernia that was you know going to be part and parcel the operation part of the operation was repairing this hernia and it might need some techniques to repair it and meshes and things like that you would certainly be charged more especially if you need a mesh or something like that because that's expensive the mesh itself is expensive so um so yeah uh debbie's lost me but then she says she's lost connection that's good so i thought you'd lost me so if you watch it back debbie you might still have lost me because i went on about abdominal liposuction i don't know if i made it clear that would be great what would be great what's that referring to oh god i'll keep track of this Lost connection sonia i exercise a lot but can't get rid of flabby bit that is because it's skin sonia it's skin. And this is the problem. People exercise, they lose weight. It's not a weight loss. So the flip side is when people have got a lot of weight, you're not a good candidate for a tummy tuck. You're a good candidate. For, sorry, when you've lost the weight, when you're fit, when you're healthy, when your muscles are strong, but you can't bring those muscles together and you can't get rid of the skin. That is the problem. That's why I am on my blog posts back in the day, there'll always be a need for tummy tucks, you know, because you can exercise as much as you like, but you don't get rid of the skin. That's the that is the problem with uh, tummy tucks. Well, not the problem with tummy tucks. That's the reason people need tummy tucks. But you're you're not alone on on that, um, Sonia. Um, right? Right, Mel. I've lost nearly eight stone. Look at this, Mel. You you're you are beating Sonia. Sonia's lost six stone. Sonia, beat that. Mel's lost eight stone. Right? Comment if you've lost more than eight stone. <laughs> now that's what the youtubers do don't comment if you i've just been watching sorry i've just been watching it with my children they've been watching all the Fortnite videos smash the thumbs up button they all say smash it i don't think there is a thumbs up button on this is there but um anyway mel i've lost nearly eight stone which is awesome mel you must be unrecognizable well done um and have really loose skin on my arms is there anything that can be done yeah i mean it's interesting this um when you talk about body contouring there are different operations and and the classic situation when people have lost a lot of weight abdomen breast arms thighs face um yeah sonia good for her absolutely i agree um so um and the and and some ops are more common than others and i think what what i normally say to people is if you go if you go on the internet and things you'll see an awful lot about mastopexy breast uh, lifts you'll see an awful lot about tummy tucks you won't see much about arms and thighs. You know, when you look at people's websites and stuff, and our website as well, there's probably not much about arms and thighs. Um, and the reason for that is that um, not really, wouldn't sort of say pushing it because we don't really sort of push anything. But, you know, the problem with arms and thighs is the scar because all of these things leave a scar because they all are all removing skin. As I say, the problem is the skin. I mean, fat is removed as well, but the, you know, fat, you can remove with liposuction, but it's the skin you need to remove, the skin you need to tighten as well as the fat, but it's, 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 so when you're removing skin, you leave scars. Now, when you do mastopexies, the scar's hidden in a bra. When you do tummy tuck, the scar's hidden in a, in your underwear. So it's a really good scar. When you do an arm lift or a thigh lift, especially the thigh lift one I'm talking about, where you make that big scar down the middle, there's a big, long scar. You need to do an arm. There's a big, long scar. Big, big, long scar. Down your arm. Down your arm. All the way down your arm. All the way down to your armpit. So it's, it's, um yes, something can be done, uh, Mel, and, you know it's as i say it's usually skin it's usually not people often say i want liposuction but you've done the liposuction yourself you've lost eight stone in weight you've lost the fat you got rid of the fat it's the skin that's the problem but if you're going to have the skin uh, tightened you have to remove the skin and that leaves a big long scar we aim to hide the scar so you don't hide the scar in a neutral position so when you put your arm from, out from the front and from the back you can't see it but you put your arm up it's there it's there on the inside you know so put your arm in the air it's there you wear short sleeve shirts it's there because it goes to to your elbow so it's about being aware yes something can be done people don't like the contour the contour can be improved but it is quite a long scar and that's something you have to really think about because you might say i can't wear short sleeve short short sleeve shirts because i don't like my arms and then we give you a big long scar so we make the contour a lot better but then you might still not want to wear short sleeve skirts shirts because you it's easy for you to say because you don't like the scar so you have to balance that so that so something can be done it's an arm lift or a brachioplasty is the uh, sort of medical term but it's an, it's actually an arm lift and um but it's it's something to be considered because it is a scar that would be there ella if i had a muscle repair would that stop future hernias no no it wouldn't ella um there's two types of hernia getting into um you know this what's what we call congenital and acquired congenital hernias are you born with a weakness inguinal in the groin femoral um, and then acquired hernias are hernias which are due to weaknesses or due to raised intra-abdominal pressure so when you get pregnant you can cause a hernia if you have surgery if you have a you know have any surgery to your tummy there'll be weakness in the abdominal wall so any weakness in the abdominal wall can then bulge out and um cause a hernia so if you have an abdominoplasty and the muscle brought back together again you could still get a hernia somewhere else on your tummy so it wouldn't really stop you from getting a future hernia i'm sorry to say although that hernia would be fixed good for her yep yeah, i would agree good for you mel you've lost eight stone that's fantastic good for you too sonia i've got to say six six stone is amazing these these are unbelievable weight losses you know i like changing and i'm sure it must be but not easy at all to lose that sort of amount of weight which is fantastic debbie says if we are talking hernia would a hiatus hernia be repaired during a tummy tuck or would it make not make any difference um it would not make any difference uh, debbie a, hi- a hiatus hernia is a hernia of your esophagus your uh, your feed your feeding tube or not your feeding tube your gullet i suppose they call it you know the gullet goes into the stomach and it goes through the diaphragm so it goes your your, your your esophagus goes into your stomach and it goes through the diaphragm and a hiatus hernia is the esophagus poking up through the diaphragm intra-abdominal you can't see it you can't see a hiatus hernia from the outside it's intra-abdominal and it because the the, the um, junction between the esophagus and the stomach is then pulled up through the diaphragm you get reflux and heartburn and things like that so, uh, yeah, it's, in, it's inside the abdomen and it wouldn't do anything to your uh, to, to, to a tummy tuck. It would not be addressed. So it'd be the same. Um, Sonia, it's better than having loose skin and it might be better than having loose skin. And we do do arm reduction, Sonia, um, but it is something to be aware of. You know, I don't want to just say, yeah, yeah, we can fix your arms, get really good t- contour, beautiful, fantastic. You have to be realistic. It, it is a scar and you have to be realistic about that in order to make sure that it's right for you. Um, Jade I am looking into both uh, breast uplift and augmentation and a tummy tuck I would like to do them separately is there a set way to do it such as tummy tuck first boobs later or the other way around no uh, Jade I would say do what's what's more of an issue for you Um, you could do them either way around and it's perfectly reasonable to do them at the same time but it is perfectly reasonable to do them separately and I would say what is the biggest problem for you and if you could only have one done um, which one would you have done? And I do that one first. Um, it doesn't. The tummy tuck doesn't really affect the boobs, and the boobs don't really affect the tummy tuck. So just do whatever you want to uh, want to address first. There's no real uh, reason to have one done over the other one. There's a reason if you're doing them both. When we do the surgery, we do one first, but that's just technical because of the table and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, no, whatever whatever you um whatever you worries you or, or would you would give you the maximum sort of uh, benefit i would think to yourself what if i could only what if something happened between the two and i you know couldn't have the second one what, what would i be happier having that was my thing belly hernias will we get stopped we got to stop these belly hernias stop them we need to stop the belly hernias belly hernias will they get stopped come on ella what are you on about what does that mean is she enlightened? Is she enlarged on that? Belly hernias, will they get stopped? Um uh, I don't know, Ella. Belly hernias will be improved if they're you will fix them at the time of a tummy tuck. So you mean, yeah. If it's just a small hernia or a small weakness. Um I think it's probably best talking to the surgeon, actually. If you know you've got a hernia, don't listen to me because I'm just talking very generally here. If you go know you got a hernia, talk to the plastic surgeon who's doing your tummy tuck and say, will this hernia be fixed and is it gonna cost me more? um or probably just say is it, it's going to be part of it Will it be part of it you know um because the guy on the internet said it'd be part of it last night <laughs> i'm really considering having my arms done thank you for answering my question well you're very welcome mel and uh yeah look into it mel i think we've got some photos on the website of arms but you, you probably won't find much on the uh, website or not well on any website about arms but it is a thing arm reduction and though you know to be honest with you the people who have had it done have been really really happy with it but having said that, don't do it on many people because a lot of people want to have it done and we say there's a big scar and all that sort of thing and it's complications. The scar is usually like an L shape goes up into your armpit and healing in the armpits often a problem and things. So we tell people about what's involved with it. So patient selection is, you know, people who really want it and really don't like the contour and are happy to accept the scar. And actually they're very, very happy patients um, Beautiful, to have the arms done. Can you change 275cc high-profile polyurethane one-year-old implants for 350-ish moderate smooth implants tier? Um Helen, yes, you can. Um, <clears throat> 275, high. The only thing I would say, Hel- uh, Helen, is the whole big thing about, so in principle, changing an implant for another implant, fine. Polyurethane to smooth, fine. No problem at all. Um well i say no problem to all people go on about the polyurethane being hard to remove and all that sort of stuff but it's it's fine it's, it's it's absolutely fine to do that um we spoke about that on the other day about that sort of thing but it's all a bit but it's, it's fine the only thing is the thing that that i really make a big deal of when i'm looking at implants and sizing people implants is the width and if you've got a 275 cc high profile implant that's going to be narrower than a 350 moderate profile implant. Now, assuming, I don't know if it's gonna be the same, make. it might, you know, different makes are different, but in broadly speaking, this is a bigger implant, 350, and it's a lower profile, so it's gonna be wider. I don't know if that makes sense. So if you think about it, a 350, if it was a 350cc high profile implant, it would be narrower than a 350cc moderate profile implant. Let that sink in. Does that make sense? So for the same volume, a high profile implant, because it sticks out more, is narrower. So what you're doing is you're going for a bigger implant, so a bigger volume and a lower profile. So it's gonna be even wider. I don't know if I made that clear. But but the bottom line is the width isn't what I'm worried about, Helen. If you're going to go from a 275 high to a 350 moderate, it's the width. So it depends on the width of your chest and the width of the 350 cc moderate smooth implant. The so that's that, that's what worries me about that question. Going from a polyurethane to a smooth implant is fine. It's going from a uh, the the other problem that you would that would have to be considered is the pocket. Because it will be a um, you, when you're putting a smooth implant in the polyurethane implant. When you put them in, you have to make a very big pocket. When you put a smooth implant in, you have to make a pocket that just fits. So you want a pocket that just fits. So it's actually good that you're going for a bigger implant because you're going to have a bigger. If you went for a smaller implant, it would rattle around in that pocket and it wouldn't fit because a smooth implant doesn't adhere in the same way as a polyurethane implant. I don't know this is. Not sure how clear I'm being here, but um, so that's good. That you're going for a bigger implant. That is good. The only thing that worries me is the width. So I worry about the width of that 350 moderate profile. But if you've, you've that's quite specific, your question. So I'm presuming you've seen a surgeon and they've come up with this plan. So that's hopefully, I'm they made the width, they measure the width and stuff like that. So Jade says, brilliant, thank you. Jade, thank you, because that is a lovely thing to say. Thank you for that. Ella says, sorry, you answered my question on my first question. Sorry. Okay, no problem. That's good. Don't be sorry. It's fine. Uh, Zoe, Mister Butt, is that Mister? Oh, Zoe, who said Mister Butt? Was that you who said Mister Butt by back in the day, Mm -hmm. Mister Butt? You and you, Mister Butt. She means thank you in advance. Right. She means thank you. Sorry, you answered my question. Oh, TIA, TIA. Thank you in advance. Oh, look at you. Right, okay, I'm gonna have to make a note of this. Thank you in advance, and And muscle repair, MR. MR, T-I-A, gotta get with it, get with the kids, man. Get with the abbreviations, sorry, thank you for that, so it's not TIA, it's thank you in advance, okay. Um, Where are we up to? Sarah. What causes a hematoma a few days after a tummy tuck? Why do UK surgeons take drains out the next day? Does this increase the chance of a hematoma? So, sorry, is that, yeah. Sarah, good question. So the um, good question, Sarah, what causes a hematoma? Well, I'll tell you what causes a hematoma, Sarah. The thing that causes a hematoma is, um, is bleeding. Now, when we do the surgery, it's quite a big operation of tummy tuck, and there's quite a lot of cutting, and you cut quite a lot of blood vessels and things and you seal them all off with a little machine and all that sort of thing so then what happens is you go back to the ward and when you're having the surgery your blood pressure is controlled your pain is controlled everything is controlled and sometimes it's not common a hematoma is not common it sounds like you've had one but it is not common but um if you have a hematoma then you go back to the ward you get a bit of pain your blood pressure goes up a bit you cough and there might be a little blood clot that was just teetering on a little blood vessel and it pops off and it bleeds And that causes a hematoma, and the blood collects inside. And to be honest with you, a hematoma can happen with drains in. People often say, "Oh, if you'd left the drain in longer, or if I'd had a if you don't use a drain, and they, you know, a hematoma. If the blood is going to bleed enough to cause a hematoma, the drain is not going to stop a hematoma. It's just going to make it come out of the the drain. You still have to go back to theatre and have it and have it washed out. So the the you know a hematoma is you know is something that can happen um and and it just happens by blood pressure going up a fragile ve- a blood clot or something over the over the vessel popping off and it and it bleeds and it's it's everyone you know i probably get about one a year once a year i get a hematoma for whatever maybe a breast reduction tummy tuck or something because they're big ops and there's lots of cutting and it just can happen i'm sorry to say um and it's just in this established complication of any operation Any operation, mole, cyst, tummy tuck, gynecomastia, you know, appendectomy, thyroid, any operation, you can get a hematoma. So why do surgeons, UK surgeons take drains out the next day? I don't think, you know, I don't think UK surgeons, I mean, we usually leave them in two days. But, you know, you take them out when the drainage slows down, not really stops, but slows down, really. So we just take them out when it slows down. Because um, we, what we're trying to do is to encourage that skin flap to stick down. It's really for seroma, really, the drain, and it's to encourage those two skin flaps to, to stick down. So when the drainage slows down, then it, uh, then you take the drain out. Does this increase the chance of hematoma? Not really, um, Sarah. What they've done, and as that, that, I say we, earlier, we're trying to use less drains, uh, and certainly in breast reduction, they've done studies where they put a, bre- a drain in one breast and not in the other breast. And they found that the risk of hematoma is the same, whether there's a drain there or not. So although I can understand you having a hematoma, if you, they took the drain out after one day and then you got a hematoma the next day. You'd be like, neck." if they've left the drain in, I wouldn't have had the hematoma. But, I'm, you know, studies have said that you can get a hematoma with a drain in. And I've had hematomas with drains in. I've had a hematoma with a tummy tuck and I had drains in. So, you know, you can still get a hematoma even with a drain in. If it's going to bleed enough to swell up. The drain is not going to stop the bleeding you have to go back to theater open up and stop the bleeding so it's something that can that can happen vivian hello do you know much about b cell monoclonal lymphocytosis whoa permanently elevated white blood count do you think this could be either an advantage or disadvantage to healing whoa whoa, whoa. vivian flipping neck. b cell monoclonal B-cell monoclonal lymphocytosis, geez. Uh, no, Vivian, I don't um, know much about B-cell monoclonal lymphocytosis. Um, the white count is um, the real problem or the real thing that I would be worried about with a white count would be a low white count. A low white count will make you increased risk of infection. So that will be a concern to me. in In any situation where someone's got a problem with another system, so this would be a hematologist, you've got a, you or whoever you're asking the question for has got a problem with their blood Um, and so i would say that we would write to your gp and write to the person looking after your blood so a hematologist or you if you don't want to come for a consultation because you might think well if they're not going to do the surgery i'm not going to come and pay for a consultation talk to the person who looks after your blood and say look i'm thinking of having surgery um is that going to be okay or so uh, and that's what we would do we write to them and the two things we want to know is number one uh is it is it safe you might he might say or she might say no it's not safe you're a very high risk of complications and you shouldn't have it because you're gonna get you know whatever or they might say there's something we can do to optimize your situation i don't know if you're on treatment steroids or whatever if you're on some kind of treatment if your treatment if they're you know in a period where your drugs are being sort of um sort of uh, manipulated or changed then we'd probably rather you're at a table a stable position with your with this with this condition if there's something we can do to make your condition better um, sometimes i don't know about uh, a, an elevated white cells so that's a little bit unusual but if it was a low white cell, so we can things we can give you like fresh frozen plasma available if there um and, and if there are other problems with blood, we can have sort of blood products available to substitute, to cover you for the surgery. But this is something we need an advice from a, from a hematologist, really. Um so i d I'm sorry, Vivian, I don't know an off well, I don't know much about the cell monoclonal lymphocytosis, but I would ask a hematologist or your preferably your hematologist whether there's anything whether they thought it was safe for you to have surgery whether there's we should warn you about increased risks so they might say yeah it's safe but she's got an increased risk of a dvt or an increased risk of a of infection or something like that and we say to you look we've got it as good as we can get your uh your lymphocytosis but you've got an increased risk of infection and then you know obviously if it's a prohibitively high risk we probably wouldn't do the surgery but if it's just a little bit increased, we say to you look it's up to you how much do you want the surgery you have got a higher risk of infection balance it up so sometimes it goes like that you know you just gotta think pros and cons but yeah we we would do it in combination with your hematologist or your gp or whoever's looking after your um your blood zoe double thumbs up i loving it helen makes perfect sense learned something new about the pocket so that's fab excellent thanks very much haven't been back to my surgeon and don't plan to she wasn't very approachable at all yeah helen you've got to be a bit careful with the pocket particularly going polyurethane to smooth that's sort of like two extremes really a smooth implant doesn't adhere at all it's really real hand in glove pocket that because that's just going to wobble about all over the place so you want the pocket of the right size so they may have to do some work to the pocket they may have to do what's called a capsularity well they probably do a capsulectomy but anyway they probably take a Anyway, they might have to close down the pocket in places in order to, and it depends on your shape, if your shape's okay now or if you need to have something adjusted to your pocket. Maybe put the implants more medial or more lateral or, you know, if there's a problem with the position of the implants, it is much more difficult to position smooth implants. Um, it's, you're, it's a difficult way you're going. You're going polyurethane to smooth. It's a lot easier going the other way, going smooth to polyurethane because polyurethane implants go stay where you put them so you can, you can have a big pocket and you can place them and they stay there because you get tissue ingrowth growth into them smooth implants don't so you'd have to adjust your pocket and make sure your pocket is uh is right and it's that's going to be a difficult operation helen going from polyurethane to smooth um and you have to and i would worry about the width of that smooth implant because it's a moderate profile and it's bigger so it's going to be much wider than your current implant Sarah just had mine drained oh dear sorry to hear that Sarah but usually when you have it I think with this here, we're back on the hematoma now so yeah I'm sorry to hear that oh here we go just had mine drained thank you yes I had zero blood the next day in the drain but over the next few days my stomach filled up and we got it drained within the next week so all good yeah well that you know Sarah this does happen and I can't uh say that it hasn't happened to me because it has um and it is a bit unusual they had zero blood the next day the other the well because was it you that said take, yeah it was take them out the next day so that i don't personally i don't i don't take them out the next day very off, very rare for me to take them out the next day for a tummy tuck because what i try and do is get you up and walking because often when you get up and walk it bleeds a bit more so i normally take them out day two personally um or day three sometimes if there's a lot of them a lot in there at day two that doesn't help you sarah does it because you just had hematoma when it's taking out day one but anyway uh, <laughs> Sometimes when you get up and start walking and start moving about, it bleeds a bit more. So, um, yeah. So uh right, we're back into the questions here. How here we go, we've got a question here. How long after removal of um birthmark on lower stomach near hip can patient do sport? That's specific, isn't it? It's very specific. Removal of birthmark on lower stomach near hip so anyone out there if you've got a um, birthmark on your lower stomach near hip this question's for you so this is all for those patients there. if you've got a birthmark upper stomach nowhere near your hip turn off now because this is not relevant for you but if you've got a birthmark on the lower stomach near your hip um i'm talking to you so yeah, for anyone who's got a birthmark on the lower stomach near hip, they, you what, when you can do sport is um, when the wounds, uh, well, gentle stuff once the wound's healed, the skin will be healed in four days, best case. So the skin gets healed really quickly, so call it a week. So the skin will be healed in a week, uh, but it's not really strong. And the problem with it, when it, you really worry about any scar that crosses a joint, so you say near hip. So the question is, does it cross your hip? Does it, when you move your hip, does it move? So if it's on your abdomen, what did you say? Lower stomach. So if it's on your stomach, sort of above your hip crease, then that's less of a thing than if it's crossing your hip crease. Because every time you move, you're going to put that scar under tension. So I'd be more worried about moving if it crosses your hip crease than if it didn't. Same if it was elbow, arm, shoulder, anywhere. Um, But I would say I'd leave it a couple of weeks before doing anything before Doing I'd say walking and stuff is good, probably straight away. You don't want to get DVT, you don't want to get in your legs. So walking and everything like that straight away. Um, and exercise other parts of your body after a week or two because you don't want to get it hot and sweaty, so you don't want to go exercising too soon. So a week or two, you can start doing exercises of the rest of your body. Um with regards to moving your leg and moving your hip, it's um sorry, Um, here's Um it's a bit dark in here. The lighting right today. Um, I'd say two weeks. You can start uh, doing gentle exercise, and then it's and then standard really thing is four to six weeks before doing anything too strenuous, and just to have a, if it hurts, if it starts to pull, ease off, and then I would do exercise on your own. Sport is a bit different. That's a bit nebulous. Sport because what it is. You know, if it's chess or fishing. <laughs> Now, I'm assuming it's some kind of running sport and, you know, contact sport and that. So I'd say two months for contact sport and stuff. And then if it hurts, then ease off. Um, but you really need to talk to your surgeon about how how tight it was, how wide was the birth market it was closed really tightly. They might want to leave it longer. Um, and if it's had any problems with delayed healing, you might want to leave it longer. But broadly speaking, I'm saying a couple of months start before you want to ease into it, if that's OK. Um hold on what's going on here sarah tiny bit of oh i had zero blood the next day tiny bit of blood was in the drain i suppose yeah but there's always a tiny bit of blood you take it out if there's a tiny only tiny bit Mel, sorry to go back to the arms it's okay mel no problem we go back to the arms would they be done at the same time and how long do you recommend being off work same time as each other do you mean mel or same time as something else are you looking at something else so if you're having two arms yeah you do them both at the same time well in the same operation um and it depends on what you do for work if it's an office work i'd say two weeks minimum maybe three uh if it's activities i'd say six six to eight weeks if you're i don't know working in b and q or something if you're doing heavy lifting six to eight weeks but uh three weeks is probably normal i would say for you know driving and getting back to an office work, you probably still feel a bit sore your scar's going to be red and active and firm and You'd have numbness and all sorts of things after three weeks, but I'd say three weeks you'd sort of be all right, um, sort of in general terms. Sarah, Sarah Strong did walk about, but yes, was the next day. Yeah, uh, Vivian, thank you for giving up your time to answer questions. Says a lot about your work ethic. Well, thank you. Can tell my wife <laughs> that? She's, yeah, anyway, yeah. i my yeah, she's all right with it, really. Um, nurse nurse oh you'd work as a nurse okay yeah well you don't want to go transferring patients and things uh mel so um three weeks if you can do i normally well yeah we sort of normally do it like a sick note and say three weeks off followed by three weeks light duties or phase return now you might say i can't do light duties in which case it's six weeks off but if you can do light duties and sit in the office and things like that but you don't want to be transferring patients um and things when you've had your arm because it's closed under tension and stuff so i'd say six weeks really before you you know i don't know if you do do transfers and things like that or anything too much with your arms um can i ask my surgeon about complications so uh i've got the whole question here is it acceptable to ask the surgeon in a consultation the number of patients that have had complications such as sepsis necrosis and major infections and if so how should a person approach the surgeon with this question how should we word it um right okay well yes it is completely acceptable um one thing i would say is i think you have to know everything before you have surgery and you have to know these questions and if you you know obviously you need to be fully informed of all the bad things that can happen but i wouldn't dwell on the things like you know sepsis terms like sepsis necrosis major infections these are really rare um well you have to ask your surgeon but you know they're really rare i know if you watch tv you think they happen all the time but they are really rare um and what i would say so the question is saying is it acceptable of course it's acceptable it's your body and it's your you know you are putting your your body in, in uh, the care of someone else so you want to know this stuff you want to know com- um, qualifications um, complications all these sorts of inc- questions um, and what I would say is that it's a bit like me the accountant thing you know I've got that problem I don't know if you were here earlier with the accountant well actually this is not a live question is it this is one of the last question before okay so um, the thing uh, that is it awkward asking the question because, you know, I saw another account and I had to say, what's your qualifications? And it's awkward. You feel I feel you know, you feel awkward asking that because you see everyone looks smart and you think. That... But what I would say that if someone has got really good qualifications and has got low complication rate and is confident with their ability, they will be quite happy to talk to you about this. So I would say if they are a bit I understand you will feel awkward about it. And I, I get that because I think I would feel awkward about it if I was having surgery and I said to the surgeon, can you know, I just ask you about your complication rate? Um, it is awkward, um, but I think, you know, it's okay. And I think if you are, you know, the the way that I look at it is I will, you know, our job is to tell you what's out there. Our job is not, we're not selling stuff you know we're not selling well even if you are selling stuff even if you are selling a tv you don't want to make out stuff that's not right about the tv because if they get it home and it doesn't actually connect to the internet or doesn't do something you thought it would you're going to be unhappy you're not going to recommend that tv salesman maybe a tv is not a good good example um but the point is you know i will say to people you know like infections are very rare um you know, so it's hard to give an infection rate, uh, because you know it's just rare. You know, when you think about things with breast implants, it's if to have a cosmetic augmentation get infected, it's just never happened. So it's it's because it's never happened you can't give a percentage, but it does happen, but it's 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 a small, small percent. So it's not very helpful. It does, you know, it does happen to people, but you know, um, so so rates are difficult but like for instance so there's two things really with this there's complications and revisions complications are things that happen within 30 days revisions are things things happen after 30 days so like people ask me about that and I'm, i've got a seven Well, last time i looked at it i haven't looked at it for a while but it's about seven percent revision rate um which is average and uh but that's not all necessarily all bad because you're doing little nips and tucks and things like that Complication rate is different, and I think it's reasonable to ask it. But the problem in plastic surgery, although despite the programs, you would see it is rare. As I say, you get about one hematoma a year. I've had one seroma in about 10 years from a tummy tuck. Um, no implant infections. So for, from cosmetic breast augmentation, I'd give a rider there. When you do reconstruction, it's a different thing. When you start doing breast reconstruction, people have radiotherapy, then you do get infections, you do get uh, complicate, a lot more complications with, it, with that sort of thing. But for cosmetic surgery, infections are rare and it can be difficult to give a rate of complications. Uh, so I normally say, look, you know, get about one hematoma a year and seromas are very rare. Necrosis, uh, necrosis is, a, is a, a sort of quite an inflammatory sort of term, um, but skin death and skin not healing up, you know, you can call it necrosis if you want a little bit of wound, dehiscence wound not healing up it's not you know it's 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 a potential for any of this surgery because it's done tightly but usually it doesn't need any more surgery or anything using these dressings um so i think it's fine to ask the questions and i think if you see how the surgeon handles it in a way i think they might not don't be surprised if they don't give you uh tangible answers you know I, 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 if they said it's two percent i'll be thinking oh, okay, that's quite high you know <laughs> if uh, because it's less than a percent it's, it's usually pretty low the the, the uh, these sorts of problems so they might not be able to give you a percentage because I can't give you a percentage for uh, sepsis, necrosis, and major infections, because when did I last have a sepsis, necrosis, or major infection? You know, it it happens, but it's like five, six years ago. So I, so it's a really it's a really difficult question to answer. But I think I would say you've got to see how they answer it. That's the thing I'd be looking out for. And if they feel guarded, if they feel if you if they make you feel uncomfortable, then I think oh maybe they're not that sure of themselves. Um, how you should word it I think it just you gotta say look you know what sort of what's the chances of me having the complications do you get many of these complications or I don't know Um, yeah it's a difficult one Um, it was me that asked oh it was you that asked this one was it Rachel yeah it's a difficult question Rachel but I think it's absolutely fine to ask and I would encourage you to ask and uh, you're perfectly within your rights to ask Um, and to be honest with you we are encouraged to Encourage, we're encouraged to encourage patients to ask questions, you know, complications thing. And, you know, and the other thing, you know, I think it's fine to see different surgeons and and things like that and get different answers and make a judgment because you'll click with one and maybe not the other sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, Sarah's got a gross question. Sarah, slightly gross question. My muscles were split by 10 centimeters. Wow. With an umbilical hernia, no mesh. Yeah, an umbilical hernia is usually really small. Uh, no mesh used to return, uh, repair. In time, with good and careful exercise, can these muscles be in as good shape as if they never split? Just wondering. Yes, Sarah, that's not a gross question. God, there's some gross questions in my time. That's not one. Um, Sarah, your muscles weren't split. I think I don't know if you are, if you appreciate what that means. The muscle split. So your muscles weren't split. Your muscles were well, they were well. <laughs> They were just apart. So you, your six-pack muscle, there's a thing between your six-pack muscles when you sort of not had children and not put on weight. The two things that do it are stretching the tummy with children weights. So I'm doing this because of the of mic. There's just a thing called a linear out, but it's a very fine line between your six packs. So if you look at uh, uh sort of an, an anatomy specimen, or if you look at someone with a six-pack sort of thing, they've got their six packs are so right next to each other. When your intra-abdominal pressure is is um, stretch your those six pack muscles go apart and what you do is you bring them back together again so the muscles aren't split the muscles are fine that's the problem with some people who like go and um do all the gym and all that sort of stuff and they get really fit and they get really strong muscles but if they're apart they're still strong muscles apart they they, they the gym can't bring the muscles together again and what we do is we close that that space it's called divarification of the recti muscles it's not a hernia it's a divarification It's a, it's a, it's a, well, a split, it's a splaying of those muscles. And we bring those two muscles so they sit next to each other. So your muscles aren't split. It's just the space between the muscles is widened and we narrow that gap. So that gap has been narrowed between your muscles. So you can go and do the gym and do sit-ups and all that sort of stuff. Well, once you're all healed from your tummy tuck um, and get strong muscles. And so, yeah, your muscles can be in good shape as if they as as, as ever um now that they're back together again so yeah absolutely your muscles haven't been damaged or anything like that or you know the muscles haven't been split as such it's the it's the space between the muscles that has increased i hope that's so yeah you'll be fine sarah so don't worry about the 10 centimeter thing so can you talk a bit about seroma please causes cures etc so yes yeah, seroma is a fluid collection and it's not blood it's it's wound fluid it's watery yellow fluid which collects in any time um <laughs> anytime you um have a surgery with a space and uh the common areas are well for cosmetic surgery i guess it's a, a tummy tuck is a common area for, for sort of breast reconstruction which is the other sort of thing that i do is is um used to do really don't do so much reconstruction these days but it's in the back where you take a big muscle from the back the lat dorsi you take a big muscle and leaves a space and anytime you have a space that space can fill up with wound fluid and that's a seroma and uh so Causes is just the fact that there's a space, there's a raw surface because you've cut, as I say, you have to undermine it when you do a tummy tuck. When you do a tummy tuck, you have to undermine it to close it. When you do the lactose side, there's a space because you've removed the muscle because you've used the muscle to reconstruct the breast. So you've got a space where that muscle used to be. So anytime there's big spaces, there's sort of raw surfaces, and those raw surfaces can ooze uh, wound fluid, which is the serous fluid, and that ooze can collect and form a seroma. And as the seroma collects, the the two wound sort of uh, surfaces can't close. It can't can't heal up. So it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. That's why it's good to have it. If it's dry and it sticks together, then it's stuck. But once you get a bit of a seroma, then it's like it can't stick. Then and so sometimes you have to. You don't always have to drain it. It will get better on its own. It will reabsorb on its own if it's not a big one. But if it is a big one, you often have to put a needle in and drain it. The problem is when you drain it you leave a space there, and then it can come back again. It usually does come back again, but it usually comes back less, and so you have to sometimes repeatedly drain them. Each time you drain them, there's a risk of introducing infection, so you don't want to drain them too often, but at the same time, you don't want to leave people with sloshing about fluid all over the place, which is uncomfortable, and which is gonna take ages to get better, so you, if it's a big one, you have to drain it. So that's the cure, that's the cause. The cure is really just to drain it, and then compression as well, so if it's the, tummy tuck then um, either the garment if you've been given a garment or big pants you know the big pants like the figure hugging pants those can help just a bit of compression to help to close down that space and as I say there's things we do like the drains and the quilting sutures and, and glue these are things we do in theater to try and close down that space but um, obviously that's not helpful for once you've got one it doesn't really cure that's more for prevention I guess than cure so curing is just time they usually get better on their own and if they're big ones draining it um, they used to do things like inject stuff in to encourage the thing to stick down, but we don't do that anymore. So we just well, I don't think many people do that anymore. We just usually just drain it. Um, Sarah, I should be on this morning. Thank you, Sarah. Yep, yeah. <laughs> available. Talk to my agent. Available for um, for uh, this morning and other television slots. Um, I've got an agent. You just Facebook me. Um, thank you. Um, so following on, this is following on here. Um, would you kindly add helping in? Oh, this no, okay. Would you add helping in the edema reduce while you discuss seroma this evening, please? Also, how to effectively suntan after surgery without hurting the scar? I'm worried about my upcoming holiday. Tummy will be fine because bikini will cover it, but belly button and back knee scars are a little problematic okay so we'll do the edema thing how do you do edema while addressing seroma so that's a distinct thing edema and seroma so a seroma is where you have a space uh as i say tummy tuck is the classic uh, and the space fills with fluid um edema is swelling is soft tissue swelling so when you bang your arm when you fall, fall off your bike and you bang your arm your arm swells up and that soft that's tissue that's tissue swelling that is not seroma it's like when you have your breasts done it's also out there that's not seroma seroma is free fluid you can put a needle in and drain off you can't put a needle in and drain if someone's got a swelling you've got soft tissue swelling because it's just in the tissues it's not free it's not watery free fluid it's just all the tissues are waterlogged sort of thing so ed- edema is different to seroma and edema happens after any surgery, and it's just sort of a generalized soft tissue swelling. Seroma, you can often feel the slosh of the water as you move. It sloshes about. It's like literally water sloshing around. Edema, you don't have that. It's just generally swollen. Everything feels, you know, with your face or your toe after liposuction or whatever. So um, so what's the question? How do you reduce edema? Um, so basically, again, it's compression. It's 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 trying to take it easy. But at the same time, you don't want to give yourself DVTs and slow down and give yourself chest infections and all these sorts of things. So I encourage you to mobilize and move. There's always a balance. You don't want to overdo it. You know, if you overdo it, you will make it swell more and you'll make the edema worse. But at the same time, if you don't move and get out and about, you will, you know, your healing will take longer, you'll feel miserable and you'll more likely get DVTs and things. So I think the balance is along the side of getting up and about and moving around. But if you feel that it hurts more, if you feel that it swells up more, then take it easy listen to your body and it's your body saying you're doing too much so listen to your body and if you find your body swelling up then um or whatever your body part of your body is then then take it easy and compression is the other thing for edema so again if it is tummy you compression uh, pants or the binder if it is breast then a supportive bra and if it is another part of the body just some kind of compression like the compression hugging tops that rugby players wear you know so if it's a gynecomastia or something like that so compression is good i'm worried about hurting the scar <clears throat> so this patient has had a tummy tuck she's also had some uh excess tissue removed from behind the knee so i took it t- t- now i think i think the scars have faded pretty well to be honest with you so i think the, the the main thing about the scar is while the red is red and obvious you mustn't get a tan on it now as you say it's easy to cover the 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 bikini one or it's easier to cover the bikini one but the belly button one is the problem we try and hide the belly button one within the belly inside the belly button so it's often not on the front so it's sort of in the shadows try and make it sort of in the shadows so hopefully it's not too badly affected by the sun and i think your scars have settled pretty well i think they're sort of skin colored are they if they're not if they're still a bit red the scars then yeah you have to just wear a, a, a like a swimsuit you know you you shouldn't get a tan on it if it is red And certainly if you can sort of see it from the front, then you shouldn't get a tan on that skin. Uh, So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You have got to be a bit careful about that belly button scar. But we say try and hide it on the inner part of the belly button. And also once it's faded, you can do what you want. But if it hasn't faded, if it's still quite red, then you shouldn't get a tan on that bit of scar. And also the same thing same thing about behind your knees. They've faded. No, actually, one of them is still a bit red. But anyway. Uh, the good thing about behind your knees is that sort of scar is hidden. It's in the sort of darkness. It's in the it's in the shadows. So um, I don't think that'll be too bad. I, but I would just be a bit aware of it and just don't lie on your front for a long time and get a scar, uh, scar on that. Maybe put a towel over you, over the back of your knees. But yeah, just be a bit careful with these scars while they're red and obvious. Which is the first three to six months can take longer. So you've got to be careful with all this. And and yeah, if you if you have still got some red scars don't get a tan on them while they're red because you'll lose the scar or you'll use the tan and the scar will stay red. So that is a good question and it is something that you need to be aware of and just protect them. And once they're faded you can do what you want. You can get a tan on them, no problem. But until then, just be a bit aware of it and try and modify how you what you wear and, and how you cover yourself. And have a lovely time because it's going to be a great holiday. Lucky you look at the rest of us stuck here in all this weather. So, that was a good one, wasn't it? Fantastic bit of um, engagement there. So, thank you all for that. I'm out. I'm going to declare myself out of questions. And, um, yeah, I'm going to check myself out if there's no other questions in the area. I don't know if anyone's still around, really. 8.30 at night, Thursday night. Don't want you to of Thursday night. I only did it because I normally do it on Tuesday, but it was away on Tuesday night, so I don't know. Um, can do it Thursday night if you want, but uh, anyway, probably go back to Tuesday just to keep a bit of consistency. If you've got any questions, hi, Rachel, stalwart Stor- supporter, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Keep the questions coming. And uh, no, and thank you, Mel, and congratulations again. And, yeah, if you have any questions, please do Facebook me or email or whatever you want. Uh, just get them to me and I will do them next Tuesday at 7. I think we're back on a Tuesday, should be. I think Tuesday, I don't think I'm doing anything crazy on Tuesday. Thanks, Zoe. And so Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. I will see you then. Uh, and I will check out of here. And have a good evening. Have a nice dinner and whatever you're going to do tonight. Bye. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Thank you. If you have a question not covered in today's show, then send it over to info at using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.